0: Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. So we are talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And tonight the guys are finishing it at the 5 p.m. service and I've got the great privilege to to tackle a few big ones. Matthew 7, verses 1 to 14. Uh, So I've, I've titled my message just in a different wording to upside-down kingdom, and I said, think, do the, diff- the opposite. Cause in the world we live in, you know, the enemy comes in a moment and brings suggestions. He brings lies, he tries and trip us up with mind games. And usually what we're feeling in the moment, the spiritual reality and truth is the opposite. So, I want to remind you this morning, if something is happening, you're going through a bit of a trial, think or do the opposite, because that's what I believe the Bible clearly teaches at times. So, let's uh, get stuck into it. Matthew 7, verse 1 to 5, we're going to read, Judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck, the piece of small dust in your brother's eye, but you don't consider the plank or the beam in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and you don't look at the plank in your own? You hypocrite, you actor, you pretender. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll clearly see to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So, how hard do we go in life? How hard do we go at people in life? I think the answer lies in, how hard do you want people to have a go at you? And if you're comfortable with whichever way you choose, that's great. But what i found is a lot of times people that go hard at others in life, they don't really like others going hard at them, do they? When the reality sets in of, well, oh, okay, maybe I do have a beam in my own eye. You know, at school, so uh, many of you know my dad died when I was 12 years old, and in my teens... I I went through this phase of being a troubled boy. I was very serious. Serious like a heart attack. But I, I was friendly, you know, to people. I was pleasant. But I had a trigger, and my trigger was injustice. If I saw an injustice, it triggered me, and I wanted to fix it there and then. On the sports field, if someone cheated or something, I I felt I needed to sort it out. And so year 12, we had this big guy, um, built like, you know, Arnold, just naturally, just cut everywhere, muscles, everything just good, tall, you know, rugby player, um, and so he was very athletic. And... Uh, The only thing is he he teased people. You know, he he kind of didn't really get the social thing. And so we're sitting there in the classroom the one day, and here he's at it again, and he's teasing this nerd. You know, this IT guy. Didn't harm anyone. He used to fix the overhead projectors. Some of you might remember the overhead projectors. And this was his love language, you know, to fix the overhead projectors. And, And this tough dude just... You know, teasing this boy, and I just, I became like the enforcer. You know those movies? And uh, just came over me. And I felt I needed to show him the beam in his own eye. Because academically, he wasn't that strong. Maybe physically he was in, in, in nature, but um, academically he wasn't. And so I brought a bit of balance <laughs> in front of the other pupils. And I realized then, as a lesson in school, sometimes people don't like it when others go hard at them, if they go hard. And he, uh, he didn't do that again. Albeit, I, I did have to avoid him <laughs> for the next few weeks on the playground, because the word was out, he was out to get me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, sometimes out of fear, we judge. And I want to talk a little bit today about the position of fear that brings us into a position of judgment with others. And so for me, there's um, really three things um, how sin or pride manifests itself self preservation, we want to protect what we've got, self enhancement, we want to get more. We're not satisfied with what we just have. We want to get more. And the other one is what we have we really want to enjoy. Self-indulgence. And so fear works its way through that when that is threatened. When what you have is threatened. When what you can't get is reality because you can't advance. Or when you stand a chance to lose what you've got. You can't enjoy what you've got. Fear kicks in. And we start judging others because of their disposition or their choices or what's happening in their life that we are not privy to. And so, for me, fear paralyzes. Fear magnifies the wrong things in life. Fear brings bondage and captivity and it makes us forget God's promises. Because fear makes us want to fend for ourselves. All of a sudden, we feel we need to protect, numero uno. Because that's the world's way, isn't it? And the Bible says in the last days, people's hearts will grow cold. And I believe one of the big reasons for that is fear. Fear that they might lose what they've got, fear that they won't be able to get what they want, and fear that they won't be able to enjoy what they've got. And so, let's look at an example that might be very prevalent and in the future have an ability to bring a real divide between Christians even. You know, we talk about energy, power crisis, financial crisis. What about climate change? Let's use the example. In church, there's two people sitting next to each other. The one is, let's say, Susie Q. Susie Q loves to drive her diesel six liter Nissan Patrol. She spends a thousand bucks a week on fuel. She eats rump steak every night from cows with a lot of methane gas. She drinks the finest red wine and caviar. She uses the whole supply chain around the world. And right next to her sits Billy Bob. And Billy Bob believes we need to reduce our carbon emissions. Billy Barr believes he needs to drive a Tesla. He's not using deodorant. And he's putting in a proposal to the government to build a wall on the east coast of Australia because of rising sea levels. They're sitting right next to each other. Have we learned from COVID to live with one another regardless of our opinions? and love each other what the bible says to love each other even to love your enemy don't take the bait when fear comes and threatens your position in life that brings about a judgment to others because truth always has more than one angle you can see the slide there of a shape and when you look at it from one angle it looks round and from the other angle it looks rectangular. There's always more than one angle with truth. We never see the full picture. We don't know everything about everything and so the truth journey for those two people living or sitting next to each other is like, despite what I believe, I'm going to love you as a brother, I'm going to love you as a sister because God commanded it and so for me. What I've sensed in my spirit is we cannot let the world normalize fear at the expense of our biblical beliefs. And so God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of sound mind. You know that that verse we always hear at weddings, one Corinthians fourteen. If you don't have love, you're just making noise. We we diminish our credibility with our few. You know with the people next door to have input in that. So my challenge is, let's love one another. Like the Bible says, let's save some marriages where people love each other, forgive each other. Let's change the suicide rate. You know, last week I was talking to a lady out in the foyer. Her daughter committed suicide 18 months ago during COVID. There is something fundamentally wrong for a parent to bury a child. It should never happen. And though there are people going through stuff in life that we don't even know. You know, I think Robin Williams said this quote, Always be kind because someone is going through something. You don't know what people are going through. So as, as, a, as a Christian church, let's love each other. Let's lavish on each other. I might not have much, but I'm going to invite you for dinner. I might not have much, but I'm going to pray for you. I might not have much, but I'm going to intercede for you. Let's have a meal together, because I love you as my neighbor. And God says, where there is unity, He commands a blessing. And I don't know about you, but I want to live the blessed life. I don't want to live a defeated life or fearful life. I want to live in full what God has in store for me. And when we're in unity together, there's a blessing. I love them. And so, um, if we read further, verse five. You hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So there is a place to speak into someone's life. If you want to have a say into someone's life, I believe there's a place for it. You know, the Bible says judgment begins at the house of God. Judgment begins with us as Christians in our hearts first, before it goes out to others. And there's a place and a process for that. And so for me, it starts with hypocrite. The first place, if you want to be able to speak into someone's life, just acknowledge we all have a beam in our eyes. No one's perfect. No one on the platform here. No other Christian, not even the best singers. If you have the urge to purge, if you have the urge to say something to someone, let's start off with the right foundation. We both have planks or beams in our eyes. That's a good starting point. And so for me, there's three things. If you want to have a say in someone's life, Three things that makes it possible for you to speak into someone's life so that it's not seen as judgment or judgmental. The first one is humility, to recognize that being. The humility brings you to a place where other people can see, well, yeah, you're not elevating yourself. You're actually humbling yourself to understand that. And that humility brings about you able to speak into their life. So it's upside down kingdomless. Yeah, think, do the opposite of what your flesh is telling you. I want to dominate over you. No, the Bible says humble yourself and then you'll gain entry to speak into someone's life. The next thing is credibility through consistency. And I'm careful here to use not necessarily status. The credibility I'm referring to is the fruit of the Spirit. If you want to be able to speak into someone's life, Let the Holy Spirit permeate your heart and life to bring about that credibility, the fruit of the Spirit. And I've talked about love, loving one another. And the other big thing for me is if I want someone to speak into my life, is the joy of the Lord rather than living in fear because fear will bring about a whole set of different responses rather than living in faith. And so that brings consistency Which leads me to the next thing is intimacy, relationship. Everything in life happens through the relationship, doesn't it? And so that trust allows you to gain access into someone's heart. And you can speak there because there's safety and trust. So for me, the equation's almost like humility plus the consistency breeds credibility, which gives you trust and safety and intimacy. And so for some people here, you might be on a journey trying to, you know, correct relationships. Uh, Father with kids or with parents or strained relationships or marriages or something. And if that's your aim, it's going to take time. Take time with it. The the humility you show in the process will allow you to gain access and entry into that person's life to bring about Restitution. So let's move on. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. Or what man is there among you, if his son asks for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. The other um, translation in, in Luke says we'll give you the Holy Spirit, but in Matthew it says give good gifts. How much more will your Father in heaven give you good things? And that word good is translated intrinsically good, good in nature. Listen to this. Good whether it be seen to be so or not. Because what we go through in life as a Christian might not seem good, but it's good. And that um, series we went through with Romans, in the end, we can say, all things work together for good for those who love God and called according to His purpose. If you hang on, if you walk the process with your God, if you keep going with Him and you don't quit, you will see in the end He is good all the time. And I think the problem is what makes us step out in fear and preservation we forget god's love we forget how much he loves us we forget the nature of god that he looks after us and he wants to look after us you know one of the key things there is god's love for us as a father it's his purpose in life to do good to us in the end if you don't quit if you don't faith um, faint. If you don't abort your faith, hold on. He wants to show you His goodness. And that verse says, ask Him. Remind Him about His promises. The Bible says He's not slack concerning His promises. Remind Him. Say, God, I need you to come through for me. Because once you've got a promise, it's not a matter of if, but when. And if you're willing to wait forever, you won't be waiting very long. So, one thing I've learned in my life is natural ability. When you come to the end of your own natural ability, when everything good about you, what you think you can bring to the table, God just says, no, we'll we'll just press pause on that. I want you to rely on my ability. And then I can help you. Then we can go ahead on this process. So last one, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Broad. That word broad means broad, spread out, spacious, wide, extensive space, also referred to in the parable of the rich man's fields. So broad can be choices too, material things, all the stuff that we've got to choose from in life. And the narrow, the first narrow, means a closely defined path from obstacles close by. So narrow is there's obstacles, there are temptations, there are things trying to trip us up and tempt us away from God. And then the second one, translated difficult there, that in some translations is also narrow as as a verb. Listen to this, this is amazing. To make narrow. To press upon to persecute to press hard to establish to stand firm steadfast and to protect from harm so our journey becomes it's it's a narrow gate to enter there's not many choices we believe jesus is the entrance for that gate he said to be born again but then as a christian we walk and as the potter god refines us he keeps chipping away our impurities there is no way as a christian that we can stay the same year after year when we move after god when we trust him and so by trials by tribulation the potter himself allows us to go through stuff the refiner refining us but what i love about that translation as well it's not just all hard it's not just all bad because it says to protect from harm and to establish. God is adamant for you to make it. He is the author and the finisher of your faith if we stick around, if we hold on. Because for me, the Christian life isn't difficult, the Christian life is impossible for me. And so that translation, I know what he was saying. But for me, if I had to choose a different word, it's almost like difficult is one-dimensional. It it doesn't have a purpose. It's like, it's just hard. Why? But once we replace that with something like endurance, fortitude, long-suffering, long-temperance, steadfast endurance, there is a purpose behind it because we're in a race. There is purpose behind what we're going through. And we've just read the previous verse, good. God is good whether it can be seen or not. God is not a bit of good and a bit of bad, a yin and yang. God is all good. And we were singing about His goodness today. And where's Lily? When you sang it this morning, I told you it was amazing. And for you to sing that song after what your family's been through and what you've been through in life is a testament of this very verse whether it can be seen or not you are standing to tell the goodness of god in your life so well done for not quitting on god standing in your race so there's a purpose the enemy tries and steal our faith and discourage us but there is purpose there's always hope with god and that's why it's called the good news There's a purpose. And this morning, I I just felt led. I want to pray. The Holy Spirit, when I prepared this message, narrow. Narrow is the gate. And Jesus said, you have to be born again to inherit the kingdom of God. And immediately, I felt about maybe there are people that's always gone to church You're a good person. You've been in church all your life. You might have come from a different church background. But you've never actually made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You're a good person. You come to church. You love Jesus. But it's almost like, have I ever actually submitted my life to His Lordship to be born again? Just the other day, we had Jim... I'm not even sure how old Jimmy is, in his 70s. Give his life to Jesus. He'd been going to church for a very long time. But he actually made that decision. So I want to talk to some people here this morning. Close your eyes and if you feel that prompting, say, you know what, I've been going to church all my life, but I'm not sure I've ever made a decision to submit to the Lordship of Jesus and be born again. And if that's you, I want to pray with you this morning. Just raise your hand and heaven's going to celebrate with you for just finalizing that and saying, I in mean, Jesus. Anyone here this morning? So, Father, we thank you Thank you for your goodness. And sometimes it's it's hard to understand what we go through, but we believe your goodness will lead us every day of our life until you, Lord, finish the script of our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.